Thank you for joining us for this second episode of our series on the sacraments on the SSPX podcast. Today, we'll have Father Paul Robinson back to look at some of the common errors, some of the heresies that have arisen over the centuries about the sacraments. We'll also take a look at the way two distinct groups understand the sacraments, namely Protestants and Modernists. As you'll start to see in this episode, and as it will become clearer throughout the series, both groups have an outsized role in how the understanding of the sacraments shifted in the Church in the last 50 years. As we move forward in this series, we're looking for help. If you like these series and want to have more of them, you can help us by leaving a review or a rating wherever you're listening on this podcast. And please share it with someone who you think would like it or appreciate it or maybe they just need it. That's the best way to help because you're helping us with this apostolate to reach as many people as possible with the beauty and the truth of what it means to be a traditional Catholic. Now, let's join Father Robinson for episode two of the Sacrament Series right now. Well, welcome to the SSPX Podcast, our second episode on the sacraments, welcoming Father Robinson from St. Isidore's in Denver. Hi, Father. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Doing fine. Good. Good. Well, last episode, we talked about what a sacrament is. We talked about what is necessary for the validity of a sacrament. And as we will be doing throughout this whole series, we'll be looking at one episode on the sacrament itself, on baptism, for instance, and then looking at the new rite. Um, We're going to do the same sort of thing on this introductory section, and that is looking at errors on the sacraments in general. So where do we start by looking at errors in the sacraments, Father? Yeah, well, uh, Andrew, when I was was preparing the notes, I was thinking what what is the most straightforward way to explain the, the heresies that have existed throughout the entire history of the Church on the sacraments. And I thought, the, the best way is for us to just go back to that definition of the sacrament that, that we've all memorized um, and, and look at it from that perspective that we know that, that the catechism de- definition includes three elements for a sacrament. It's an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. And when, when we look at those three elements of the sacraments, we're going to say a heretic is going to deny one or more of those elements. And generally speaking, in the history of the church, the heretics have not denied the first aspect of the sacraments, that a sacrament is an outward sign. They don't have a problem with that, generally speaking. Um, What they have had a problem with historically is the question of the sacraments being instituted by Christ and the belief that the sacraments give grace. So I would like to look at those two, uh, the the denial of those two things, and how there's generally two sets of people uh, denying them, uh, mainly the Protestants and the Modernists, but we'll also see some other flavors of heretics as well in this. In this okay. Episode. All right. Sounds good. So looking at the institution of Christ, um, by of the sacraments being instituted by Christ, how do the Protestants see that, Father? So the Protestants, generally speaking, have uh, the idea that man is so depraved by original sin that it's impossible for God to sanctify him. And so when they speak of something like grace, uh, they hold that that grace is not something that changes man on on the inside to make him pleasing to God, that God uh, basically cannot do it, It, that that our sins are so heinous, that our, our, our nature is so wrecked by sin that God cannot 
elevate us to the supernatural level and make us pleasing to him. So what, what God does is that he sort of covers our, our sins. He just like the, you got this stinking pile of sinfulness and he takes a blanket and he puts it over it and he hides our sinfulness. And that's how we become pleasing to him. Or he just basically hands us a card and it says, get in the heaven card. And you just hold on to that and you present it to St. Peter when after you die. And he lets you in the pearly gates, even though you are still your sinful self. You haven't been right. sanctified. So because of, of this, they don't believe that we can be sanctified by, by God. They also don't believe that our Lord instituted seven signs to sanctify us. I mean, why, why would our Lord institute things to sanctify us when it can't happen? Um, right. So in their, in their mind, the only thing that sanctifies us quote unquote. I mean, it's a really an external sanctification. The only thing is faith. It's faith alone. Mm-hmm. It's not the sacraments. It's not through the ministration of the priesthood. It's just faith. You just make this act of faith. You say, I, I accept our Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And you get the card. Or, you know, you get the blanket on top of you and, and then you're good. You're good to go. Um, but it's it, it, there's nothing else that you can do really in the spiritual life to to be holy. Okay, so so they basically see the sacraments as as magic or as nothing. That's that's kind of how they would see the, the sacraments. That it's it it has no effect. Yeah, yeah, right, right. They're just they're just signs of faith, and and they 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 would look at us Catholics and how much ceremony we surround the sacraments with, how much reverence we give to the sacraments, and because they don't believe they do anything. Uh, they tend to mock the sacraments. They they call the sacraments, or they, they came up with the, the term hocus pocus in order to describe the sacraments. And I don't know if they came up with those those magic shows either, you know, where we got just like, um, what? in other words, I don't know if they designed, if the, the way we do magic shows today was kind of based off of that Protestant mockery that you just walk up to a door and you say, abracadabra, you know, open says me. And, and there's like a form. That's that's used. You use this magic words, and then right. something happens, or you 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 wave a wand and you say abracadabra over a hat, and you pull a rabbit out. Um, so they they look at like a priest bending over the altar and saying over the host, "Oc es corpus meum," um, as just superstition. And it does nothing. Or the, the pouring the pouring of the water over the baby. Um, they they see it as as just like a magic show where. The effects of the sacrament are so out of proportion to what is being done. Um, so we know that when you when you go to the magic show and you see the the magician wave his wand over his top hat and he pulls a rabbit out, you know after he showed it to you empty, you're just like, wow, that's amazing. But you know that waving a wand is not going to create a rabbit ex nicolo. It's just not. <laughs> it's not an efficient cause to do that. So so too. Um, uh, a man pouring some water on a baby and saying some words is not sufficient to produce a supernatural effect. And so they, they, right. they just mock the sacraments and say, this is, this is just uh, magic. Uh, that the people in the magic show would know it's just sleight of hand. Really, the, the effect is not really happening. So too, the Protestants would say the effect is not really happening. Um, and, and we would say to them, well, look, you know, it's true that these words in the pouring of water 
is not sufficient to create grace in the soul of a baby. Right. That's true. And, and me as a human being, bending over a piece of bread and pronouncing those words is not sufficient to make Christ present. Of course not. Right. But, but if God is involved, whenever you get God invo- involved, <laughs> then you do have enough causal, causal power to make that effect. And, and God can use anything to create the effects that he wants. Um, so he can use a, 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 a lowly man like myself and some lowly bread as means to cause the effect of the, of the presence of Christ being there um, if he wants to, because he has omnipotent power. And so this is, this is what we believe. We, we say with God in, in there, the, the, the causality is proportionate to the effect. And it's not, it's not magic. So right. um, they're just, they just lack faith. They lack, they lack the faith that this is what God is, is doing, that this is what God wants to do, that God is acting in these, right. in these seven signs. And so shortly after the, the Protestant Reformation, Deformation, that the church really <laughs> solidified what the sacraments are. I mean, they, were, they obviously already existed beforehand, but Trent really put in stone uh, in order to combat this, this heresy what the sacraments are. Yes. So because the, the Protestants were attacking the, the sacraments so vehemently, they were denying the sacraments, they were denying that institution by Christ, saying Christ did not institute sacraments, Trent had the, the very healthy reaction of clarifying the teaching of the church and saying for everybody that no, um, Christ did institute the sacraments. And if you don't believe that, you're going to hell. Um, so Trent was very good at, at making canons to say that, I'll just read a few of them uh, for you. One of the things Trent says is that if anyone says that the sacraments of the new law were not all instituted by Jesus Christ our Lord, or that there are more or fewer than seven, or that any one of these seven is not truly and properly a sacrament, let him be anathema. And then there was associated with the Council of Trent a profession of faith. And we sometimes uh, make this profession of faith that was issued by Trent because the, the council didn't just want to make these canons, but she also wanted to make sure that Catholics were adhering to these things. And so she, the, the council of Trent issued this, this very elaborate and long profession of faith. But one of the things that it says is, I profess that there are truly and properly seven sacraments of the, of the new law instituted by Jesus Christ our Lord and necessary for the salvation of mankind, although not all are necessary for each individual. So these are just very, very clear definitions from Trent to say the seven sacraments are instituted by Jesus Christ, and this is part of our Catholic teaching. You have to believe it. Stay feed. Okay. Okay. So that's Trent's reaction. This is what the Protestants believe. Um, the modernists are also going to be attacking what the sacraments are, but in a more subtle way. Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. And I think actually, Andrew, this is probably uh, I think one of the things we discussed when we had our two podcasts on modernism and the crisis in the church series. But this this perception of the modernists that when we look back in history and we say where did religion come from. Effectively, mm-hmm. they're going to say it didn't come from God. It never came from God. And the Catholic Church is not an exception. That 
really the origin of religion is some sort of need in man, that, that man has some sort of need for validation of his subconscious, that he has this feeling of God, and he needs to validate that by um, an act of faith, that, that he believes in, that uh, God is working in him, in the feelings that he's having. And then man goes from there after he's created this faith of the God of, of his, his subjective feelings. After that, he wants to go and associate with other men and incarnate that belief in some sort of ritual. And that this is how the sacraments were born, that the apostles got together and they started sharing their faith in Christ that they had invented. And they said, hey, let's, let's find some rituals. Let's do some rituals in order to express that faith in Christ. Like, yeah, this is a great idea. What do you think? Oh, maybe we should come up with a ritual to indicate that Christ is going into a soul for the first time. Yeah. How about we just pour some water over somebody's forehead? You know, sort of like what John the Baptist was doing. And, you know, it, it just sort of goes on like that, that, that the Christian community invented the seven sacraments in order to show their faith, to manifest their internal faith about Christ. Hmm. It's that, it's coming from that naturalism, I think, right? That that man yes. is, is creating things, worship is is his own idea, God doesn't play a part. Um, yeah, it's just this we, was, we have some sort of psychological need that we need to fulfill, and that's why we invent these sacraments. But this was condemned pretty squarely uh, shortly after this kind of came into vogue, right? Yeah. So you, you know that St. Pius X, he was, he was not a man to uh, leave any stone unturned when it came to the right. condemnation of heresy. And because he speaks about that in Pashindi, that the, the, the modernists believe that sacraments are just the invention of human beings. They didn't come from Christ. He systematically goes through all the sacraments to condemn the belief of the modernists that they were instituted by human beings. So Lamentabili was a document that accompanied Pashindi. So Pashindi was his encyclical on modernism. Lamentabili okay. was a list of propositions that he drew up for modernist teaching. And he wanted to say that these propositions are condemned. These, these are heretical. So I'll okay. just give you some of these propositions that are found in Lamentabili. Uh, proposition number 39 says, and, and again, this is this is a statement of the modernist position, and St. Pius X is saying this statement is condemned. Okay. The statement says, the opinions about the origin of the sacraments with which the fathers of Trent were imbued, and which certainly had an influence on their dogmatic canons, are far different from those, those which now rightly obtain among historical investigators of Christianity. So, Basically, they're saying the fathers of the Council of Trent were wrong about the sacraments. That's condemned. Number 40, the sacraments had their origin in this, that the apostles and their successors swayed and moved by circumstances and events, interpreted some ideas and intentions of Christ. So it was the apostles and their successors who invented the sacraments. 42, the Christian community has introduced the necessity of baptism, adopting it as a necessary right and adding it to the obligation of professing, professing Christianity. So it, it just, baptism was invented by the first Christians. 
Number 44, there is no proof that the rite of the sacrament of confirmation was practiced by the apostles, but the formal distinction between the two sacraments, namely baptism and confirmation, by no means goes back to the history of primitive Christianity. So confirmation, again, is, is not something instituted by Christ. It doesn't go back to the beginning. And as I say, he just goes through every single one of the sacraments and gives these errors that the modernists have where they're saying that the sacraments were not instituted by Christ, but they were instituted by the apostles or by later Christians. Okay. So Protestants still have uh, an, an, an idea of the sacraments. Um, if, if sacraments don't give grace, according to the Protestants, what do they say is the is the point? Like, what's what's the point of having a sacrament if it doesn't do anything? Yeah, that, that's that's the question. So, if if um, it's faith alone that saves you, and these these signs are not able to sanctify you, then what? Why do them? And it's it's quite simply so that you can foster your faith. You, the only reason why you do these rituals is to strengthen your own faith, to support your, your own belief. And that's both the Protestants and the modernists have this idea that the reason why we should do these rituals is not because they give us grace, not because they sanctify us, but only because they strengthen our faith. So uh, according to Luther, the, the sacraments can be said to save but they save through the faith of the one who receives them. So if you have faith in the sacrament, it's not the sacrament so much that it saves you as your faith in the sacrament. And for Calvin, they're just a way for us to show our devotion to God, uh, but they don't, they don't cause any sanctifying grace to come to us. And th this is another one of those things that the Council of Trent condemned, the reduction of the sacraments to merely a manifestation of faith. Trent says, if anyone says that the sacraments are instituted solely to foster the faith, let him be anathema. And so the, the, the modernists as well, as I said, um, they, they believe that the sacraments are just invented by us in order to satisfy the need of expressing that internal faith that we have. So one of the things that Pius X said in Pashindi is the following. He says, for the modernists, sacraments are bare symbols or signs, though not devoid of a certain efficacy. An efficacy, they tell us, like that of certain phrases vulgarly described as having caught the popular ear, inasmuch as they have the power of putting certain leading ideas into circulation and of making a marked impression upon the mind. So doing the rituals just helps strengthen your ideas in your mind. They, they, they help get the ideas out there. The, the faith of the, of the community is strengthened by performing these rituals. That's, that's pretty much it. Okay. So, so modernists and Protestants kind of have the same sort of idea. They, they would say, well, sacraments are just there to, to help you with your faith. They don't really produce uh, an effective grace. Yeah. So if we, if we were to um, make up our own Protestant or modernist catechism, Andrew, and, and this is not probably not a project we should we should launch out on. But uh, <laughs> we would we would say the sacraments are outward signs, not instituted by Christ, but instituted by us to strengthen our faith. Okay. Outward signs instituted by us to strengthen faith. That's that's what we would say. And they're very nice. 
and they're so nice. Right. I mean, they make me feel good. <laughs> um, does the, the the new code of canon law talks a lot about the sacraments? Um, does this does this new code does it kind of dive into this modernist tendency of of getting away from uh, getting away from the sacraments giving grace? Yeah, and unfortunately, it does to some degree. So the the new code of canon law. Um, often strikes a middle ground between modernism and Catholicism. And the, the same is true in some cases in the Catechism of the, of the Catholic Church that was issued, I think, in 1992. So, so the, the new code came out in, in 1983, and it has a canon talking about the sacraments. And, and what it does, instead of like the, what the old code does, is, is it just says very clearly um, the, the sacraments are instituted by our Lord, and they are means for your sanctification and salvation. So it lines up perfectly with that definition of, of the sacraments. Instituted by Christ to give grace. That's it. So do the sacraments nourish our faith? Of course they nourish our faith. Sure. But we're not going, we're not going to emphasize that because that's not the main thing. The main thing why our Lord instituted them is or, in order to give us grace. Um, they, they also have the effect of, of nourishing our faith but especially since we know that Protestants and modernists reduce the sacraments to simply a stimulation of faith, then we're, we're not going to mention that, and we're definitely not going to emphasize that. That was the spirit of the old code, but the new code um, does precisely that. It, it does mention that the, the sacraments sanctify us, but it only says that after it talks about the, the sacraments as a means to stimulate our faith. So it includes both, and it, and it seems to put the more important effect to be the stimulation of our faith. And, I mean, th this, this sort of thing can, can cause problems. It can cause problems if you don't put things in the right order. So, Canon 840 of the New Code says the following. The sacraments of the New Testament were instituted by Christ our Lord, very good, and entrusted to the Church. As actions of Christ and of the Church... They are signs and means by which faith is expressed and strengthened. Mm -hmm. Worship is offered to God and our sanctification is brought about. Thus, they contribute in the most effective manner to establishing, strengthening, and manifesting ecclesiastical communion. Now, if, if you're not aware of these disputes, you might think that the strengthening of your faith in the sacraments is what sanctifies you that the one comes from the other, that it's not the sacraments themselves that, that sanctify. If you put the faith first, you're just like, where does the sanctification, as I mentioned later, where does that come from? Does mm -hmm. it come from the fact that my faith is strengthened or does it come from the sacraments themselves? So, there's a, there, you know, you introduce ambiguity, you can introduce confusion, and you make a text that is acceptable to modernists. And it right. can be read in a Catholic sense, but it also can be read in a modernist sense. Right, and and as we've seen so much, these these modernist texts, they're subtle, and if, if you don't know what you're looking for, you miss it. And it and it, sure sounds good, but it's it's there. Yeah, there's some danger. Yeah. There's some poison lying there, and unless you're in the know, uh, you won't be able to pick it out. Right. So those are the errors on the on the 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 faith, I guess, part of of the sacraments. Um, there have been errors in terms of the validity of the sacraments uh, in the past as well. And we're just talking generally here about, about all the sacraments. Uh, but throughout the history of the church, there have been these errors on 
whether or not a sacrament is valid. Can we walk through a few of those, Father? Yeah, sure, sure. You know, it's it's just interesting that um, our Lord instituted sacraments, but He didn't institute a theology. He really left for us to uh, work out as far as we can um, uh, the, the explanation of, of the sacrament. So the things that we discussed in the first podcast, they're really a result of, of a lot of theological reflection, explaining the mechanics of the sacraments, how the sacraments work, what is necessary to build the sign, what makes for the validity of the sacraments. And, you know, we, we shouldn't be scandalized at that, the, the fact that it took the church centuries to really work out um, how God had designed the sacraments. She, she took from the beginning this institution by Christ, and we, you know, there's a performance of the sacraments, and the sacraments were sure. working. But, but to explain them and understand their, their nature and how they work took time. And uh, because of that, there was, there was disputes. There were disputes in the history of the church that are quite interesting. So the, there were various the, – the, the disputes initially arose about that question of whether you have to be holy in order – to administer the sacrament, or whether you have to have faith, the faith of the church, in order to administer the sacrament properly. So a, a, a dispute arose in the 3rd and the 4th centuries with regards to people who had defected from the faith and were administering the sacraments. Are, there, are their sacraments valid? <clears throat> or people who had defected from the faith and returned to the faith uh, did their defection, does that mean that, the, that their sacraments are invalid as well because they, they apostatized for a while? It was especially in northern Africa that um, the, the bishops started to believe that the baptism conferred by heretics was not valid. And there was, in fact, two different saints who, who had a dispute on this in the 3rd century. On the one hand, you had St. Cyprian in Carthage who was having a synod in which the bishops, the 71 bishops who were assembled, said that, that those who were baptized by heretics needed to be rebaptized. That by the fact that these heretics did not share the faith of the church, they had to be rebaptized. So that defect in faith meant a defect in the sacrament. And it was the Pope of the time, Pope St. Stephen. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because you have two saints on the side of this dispute. And they're having different opinions. It reminds you of the Great Western Schism when you have like St. Catherine of Siena voting for the right pope and St. Vincent Fair voting for the wrong pope, you know. Right. Um, so, but, but they're both in good faith. They're, they're, they both have goodwill. It's, it's, it's when the church actually defines something that there's no room for, for, bad, for, for good faith any, or bad faith anymore. I mean, you just have to accept it. Um, and if you deny it, you're in bad faith. So... Pope St. Stephen, he said, no, you, you don't have to rebaptize them um, because we've never done that. You know, we, why would we start doing it now, 250 years into the, into the church, when we've never done that in the past? We've accepted people from heretical faiths and accepted their, their baptism. Um, but he didn't make a definition at the time, and th there, was, there was no solemnity given. And so that, that left the possibility of the dispute rising again, and it did rise again. Um, like in the next century <laughs> with the Donatists. The Donatists um, were a particular type of, of heretics who believed that only the just are members of the church. So, so sinners, uh, those who have fallen away from grace, 
are no longer uh, members of the church is sort of the idea that once you fall into into mortal sin, um, you're basically excommunicated from the Mm -hmm. church. And so they they said um, those bishops who were called traditores, who when Diocletian was persecuting the church and he was asking them to hand over the sacred books and they they went and they handed them over to Diocletian, he burned all the sacred books, the, the, the Catholic books, that those bishops, when they did that, they fell from the church. They were no longer bishops, and as a result, their sacraments were no longer valid. Well, unfortunately for the Donatists, there was a great genius um, bishop at the time by the name of St. Augustine <laughs> that they had to face <laughs> off against. And, well, um, St. Augustine, he, he made an important uh, a clarification that was very important later on for reflection on the sacraments when, when people like St. Thomas Aquinas gave a very clear sacramental theology in the Middle Ages. And he said, well, you know, if you have a situation where one heretic is baptizing another heretic, uh, an adult, um, not an infant, and so both of them have the wrong faith, um, that, that it is a valid baptism— but uh, the heretic who receives the sacrament does not receive grace. He, he receives the character of the sacrament, but he doesn't receive the grace of the sacrament. Um, so when we were talking about the, the validity of the sacraments, we weren't talking about the recipient. We, we didn't talk about the recipient. Um, but So he's talking about you got a heretic, heretic on both sides, both the minister and the recipient. He's saying it's possible that the, the sacrament is valid, um, but the grace is not given. So you can have a valid sacrament where the grace is, is not given. And then there was, this, uh, there was another bishop at the time, St. Optatus, um, who, who made some important clarifications, the same clarifications that, that we made in that first podcast, uh, namely that it's not the holiness of the minister that determines the efficacy of the sacraments. The, the sacraments do not have their efficacy from the holiness of the minister or the faith of the minister. They have their efficacy from the church and from our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where they derive, derive their principal power and efficacy in, in the church and, and our Lord cannot fail. Um, and therefore, if the, the minister is sinful, um, if he's dirty, he can still cleanse, as it were. <laughs> you know, okay. if, if, the, if the minister is dirty with sin, um, yet he can cause the cleansing of another soul because really it's our Lord working through the minister who's doing the cleansing. So it's not like un- the unclean is cleaning. It's really the clean who are clean. The, our Lord who's clean is, is cleaning. He's, he's, he's do- working through a, a dirty minister, but he is still the primary agent. Okay. That's very interesting. I was actually going to ask that a little bit earlier when we were talking about um, the Protestants saying that the faith of the believers uh, was necessary. And that brought up a kind of a hypothetical. You've taught catechism. I've taught catechism. You and I probably both hate hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. Well, father, what if, um, but, but <laughs> yes, but that, sorry, but forgive me. I'll, I'll ask one anyway. Let's say I got married when I got married and I didn't believe in the efficacy of the sacrament of matrimony. And I was just going along with it because my fiance wanted to, uh, and I didn't care about it. By St. Augustine's definition, I would receive the character of matrimony, but until I 
accepted the fact that matrimony was a sacrament and, and all that, then I would receive the grace of the sacrament. Is that what you're saying? Um, so th- there is no character with matrimony. So there's, there's three sacraments oh. that, that give a character, right. um, baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. So we, we would say you would, you would receive the sacrament. The sacrament would be valid. Um, so you would, in other words, you would have contracted a sacramental marriage. Okay. However, there would be like a, a block to the channel of grace. So you, you the, the channel of grace would be would now be available for you to re- you receive the, the graces of marriage, but there, there okay. would, there's an obstacle there, and that is your state of sin and your lack of belief. And that, you know, if, if you confess that, if you went to confession and you said, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, you know, um, I got married and and I you know, explicitly disbelieved in the sacrament of marriage. Um, and, and you get absolved, then that block would be removed and the graces of your marriage would come to you at that point. So okay. the marriage would be valid. You would be a married man. Your wife would be a married woman. She would be receiving graces. You would not be receiving graces. Um, okay. So it's, it's similar. It's, it's exactly similar. what, what St. Augustine was, was saying with regards to reception of baptism by a heretic. Okay. Thanks. That, that helps. Um, so then we get into the Middle Ages, and that's when the church really starts to clarify, you know, all of these all of these questions a little bit more formally. Yes, yeah, and you know, it's um, it, it just takes a, a lot of reflection. Reflection, and in, in the the usually what happens is there's a certain terminology that is developed, and the, the terminology of ex opere operato, ex opere operantis. Um, so. We, we say that the sacraments work ex opere operato. It's by doing the thing. But just by doing the action, that's what makes it work. Um, whereas by ex opere operantis means it's, it's really the one doing it who makes it work. It's not, the, it's not the action itself that makes it work. It's the one doing it. It relies really on the one doing it. So when we say with the sacramentals, they work ex opere operantis, we're saying it works on the faith of the one who's conferring the sacramental. And when we say that the sacraments work, work ex opere operato, we're saying they work just by the action being performed, not okay. by the one the, uh, doing the, 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 the sacrament. So um, that distinction was introduced by a theologian of the Middle Ages in the 13th century, Peter Poitier. And um, the, the, uh, basically what, what the church did in the Middle Ages is she took the position of St. Augustine and finally elevated it to the level of dogma. Um, she said, this is the right perspective on the sacraments, that position of St. Augustine, the position of St. Optatus, um, that firstly, well, effectively, that the, the sacraments derive their validity from Christ and from the church, not from the holiness or the faith of the minister. At that time, there were, there were three opinions on uh, the efficacy of sacraments. One, thought that sacraments uh, that were administered by excommunicated ministers were invalid. Others held the position of St. Augustine, which we've already considered. They're, they're valid, but they don't produce grace. And then a third opinion held that they produced grace. They were valid and they produced grace, 
but somehow the grace is not sanctifying. The grace is there, but it, it doesn't have a sanctifying effect on you. And there, there were various heresies uh, floating around. The, the, the Albigensians and the Waldensians were teaching that the, you had to have a holy minister for the sacraments to be valid. And what the church did was institute professions of faith for them, for people who were coming over from those, from those heresies. Um, they had to make a profession of faith and effectively profess the, the faith um, of, of St. Augustine, I mean, the position of, of St. Augustine on the sacraments, that um, when you have an excommunicated minister, the sacrament is valid, but the grace is not given. The grace is blocked by the heresy of the person receiving the sacrament. So, um, you know, that's, that, that, that was, I think, the, the major sacramental controversy um, in the history of the church, those, those sacramental controversies um, that existed before the Protestants and the modernists. That was the main thing on the question of validity. And then after, after them, after the Middle Ages, uh, the Protestants introduced this lack of faith in the sacraments mm-hmm. uh, at all. So, so the, the, the problem of the, of the Donatists and, and the problem of the Albigensians and the Waldensians, they were thinking that too much relied upon the minister. Um, they, they, were, they were sort of lacking faith in the efficacy of the sacraments in themselves and, and placing their faith in the, in the holiness of the minister for the validity of the sacraments. And then after those heresies were conquered in the Middle Ages, um, and the Protestants, the modernists came along, again, they, they failed to believe that the sacraments were instituted by Christ or that they gave grace. Very interesting. Well, Father, that's been a great look at, at the um, introducing us to the sacraments in these last two episodes. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, we'll be looking, we'll be starting our, our look at the sacraments themselves next time. Um, we're starting with baptism, obviously, and I think we'll have you back for uh, Holy Eucharist. Yes, uh, God willing. um, I'm looking forward to that. All right, very good. Father, thank you so much. Have a wonderful week. Thank you, Andrew.